So, <clears throat> excuse me, as uh, Dr. Russ was saying, we're in 1 Peter, and uh, the middle part of 1 Peter is all about submission. And usually when a pastor says he's going to talk about submission, there's a collective groan from the ladies, <clears throat> because they, that's what they think is going to be preached. Not so this time, but if I was in 1 Peter 3, that's where we'd see that type of submission of a wife to a husband, but we're not there this morning. So the title of, uh, of my message is Submission, and it's really just broken up into three parts, and I'm going to click it one time, and that's going to stay on there. I'm done with the clicker. <clears throat> you know, I have, I have enough thoughts in my mind that, you know, the Lord's speaking to me when, when we're preaching, and, and uh, that thing, I just got to get out of the way. So. All right, so... Uh, Open up to 1 Peter 2, we'll be starting in verse 11. Before we get into the study, I want to give a little background and talk about the author. Uh, we all think of Peter as a, a bold and, and sometimes too quick to speak apostle for the Lord. And he was, and he was a common fisherman, but that was before he had three years with the Lord. And those three years were better than any master's program, any doctorate program that you can get in any theological school. But still, he was called an unlearned and ignorant man by the Sanhedrin uh, in Acts 4. And that phrase actually means he was a layman without formal schooling, of which that's me, and most Calvary Chapel pastors. Uh, but that attending seminary, which is a good thing, is not a necessary thing because the Lord can, can do a work. And if you know anything about Calvary Chapel's history, you know that the Lord used common men to uh, reach our country and throughout the world. But Peter, uh, without formal education, amazed them. The, the Sanhedrin, they were amazed by his bold and spirit-filled preaching. And he was a leading apostle of the early church. When Peter wrote this letter, he indicated he was in Babylon. And there's differing views as to whether he was meaning actual, the, the city of Babylon, or was he referring to Rome? Most people believe he was referring to Rome, as I do. Um, <clears throat> there's also some that believe pa Peter founded the church in Rome, but there's really no proof of that. Um, here's why. Paul had a policy of not ministering in a city that another apostle has already been to. By the time Peter gets to Rome, Paul had just been released from his first imprisonment there. So Paul was actually in Rome first, not Peter. So as I said, we're going to look at the central part of 1 Peter that deals with submission. So let's define submission first. Webster says that submission is obedience, compliance, Surrender or a giving in. So for us, we submit, uh, we submit our will to God. We surrender ours for him. For a born-again believer, submission simply means that we recognize God's authority in our lives. He's established the home, government, and the church. And it's by his authority that he has a right to tell us how those institutions should run. And he does. He tells us in his word. Before we can exercise any authority, we must be under his first, though. 
And when we choose not to live under God's authority in our lives, we, lo- we lose the freedom and the authority that he gives. So if you think about Adam and Eve, they had all this wonderful freedom and authority over everything except one tree that they couldn't touch. And when they did that, they lost it all. And that is the same type of parallel in our lives that we could have by not submitting completely and surrendering to the Lord. So let's, uh, let's read our scripture this morning, starting in verse 11. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors, as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable, if because of conscience toward God one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. But what credit is it if, when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to you this you are called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer, of your souls. Let's pray. Lord, we pray as we Lord, dig into your word that it's by your spirit we are led and it's for your glory. We thank you for the depth of scripture. We thank you that, Lord, you ask us to submit to others as we submit to you. Lord, help us to have a heart that is willing to surrender to you Lord, everything that you would have for us, we would want for ourselves. So, Lord, lead us now by your Spirit. May your, may your words and heart be on my lips. And, Lord, may you fill this place with your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so um, first point that you see is submitting to others. And what we're really doing is submitting to the lost, uh, as we see in these first two verses. Peter speaking to believers, 
here as he uses the term beloved. Beloved recognizes that we're a family, right? We, we love each other. We care for each other. And he wants us to show that to the world. He's imploring us as those whose home is in heaven to live a life that honors the Lord in our submission to him. Uh, here's our challenge, though. As we live our daily lives, it is difficult sometimes to remember that our home here is but a temporary one. Each day I go to work, I can't wait to go home. Can't wait to see my wife. There's peace there. I find comfort there. It's easy to treasure our home. You know, our home is, is a gift from God, right? Every good and perfect gift is from above, James 1.17. We, we realize that what God has given us is, is a, it's a good thing, and we, we want to care for it. We want to be good stewards of it. We have to remember, though, that we're just passing through, and it is not our forever home, even though we care for it in a way that it is. So it's okay to love our home, but we also need to not lose sight of heaven. Peter writes that we are sojourners and pilgrims, and one of the definitions of a pilgrim is a tourist. And if you think about what a tourist looks like when they're in a new land, they're kind of wide-eyed and, and they, they're, you know, wanting to, to see what, what is there and, you know, it's all new to them. Uh, it's a little different for us as pilgrims and sojourners to have that mindset as we're always thinking about what we have here and maybe not as we should uh, in heaven. So um, while we're here, uh, let's, let's keep in mind that there's uh, a purpose that God has given us. And it's not just the pleasures of our home, although I love being home. Uh, it's not just that. So uh, keeping that heavenly perspective sometimes can be difficult, but we need, to, we need to focus on that from time to time. Peter writes that we must live godly lives in a world that pushes God out more and more each day. You know, since the 1960s and uh, when we've uh, legislated prayer out of the schools, it's been a quick decline. Uh, everything that's gone on from that time on has been um, kind of spiraling out of control. But that, that's not a surprise. I mean, we have God's word. We, we understand where, where we're headed. But we have to, in the meantime, while we're here, live a life that is honoring of the Lord. Because if we look and act like the world, there's nothing different in us for a lost soul to emulate or to be jealous of. So the real battle is within ourselves. And it's a spiritual battle. It is of flesh or spirit. Um, and we decide which one we're going to feed. Uh, and if we don't win the battle within ourselves, we're of no use to God. Do I always win the battle? No, I don't. But I get up, I ask God for forgiveness, and I ask him for strength. And that's what we all need to do. We're not perfect. We will, we will fall. But you need to get right back up Ask God to forgive you that failure and ask him for his strength. D.L. Moody said, I have more trouble with D.L. Moody 
than with any other man I know. And, and, and we all understand that, right? We all understand that. We want to we wanna look outward. You know, we want to just focus on, man, what, is, what are they doing? Or look at, you know, we're better than that. Or what? We don't want to examine ourselves. Sometimes I think we're afraid of what we'll find. But we need, to, we need to examine ourselves. Scripture tells us we need to examine ourselves to make sure we're in the faith. So if we yield to the flesh, we're ineffective witnesses for the Lord. In verse 11, Peter used the term war, meaning we're in a spiritual battle, a military campaign. And usually, just about all the time, a war is not won in one battle. For us, we're in a constant battle. It's an ongoing campaign against a formidable adversary. He knows your weakness. He knows my weaknesses. Uh, he knows where it'll hurt you, whether it's your children, your health, your finances, those things that you maybe hold dear, or sometimes too dear, he knows where to, he knows where to hurt you. So in short, we cannot live in a world uh, and expect to win souls for Christ if we're no different than the world. So our submission to the Lord is for the sake of the lost. Submitting to God's will for the sake of the lost around us, right? That's what these verses are talking about. Are we willing to submit every area of our life to the Lord for the sake of those who don't know the Lord? In verse 12, we see that our conduct must be honoring to the Lord because when the world speaks against us, our good works will speak for us. As Peter is writing this, I'm going to give you a lot of context from when Peter wrote this particular area of Scripture. When he was writing this, great lies were being told against Christians. Christians, ironically, were being called atheists because they would not participate in the, the immorality of the day, nor would they worship the idols of the day. So over time, the early Christians... Um, as time went by, they were still called foolish and ignorant. But the charge of immorality no longer applied, nor was it stated against them, because their works did not show them to be immoral. So the enemy was still able to say that they were foolish and ignorant, but no longer could they have that, that charge stick to the Christians that they were immoral. So that brings me to us. What about us? Where is our submission to the Lord for the sake of the lost? What's different about your life and my life compared to those who don't know Jesus? Do you enjoy having a drink with them? Do you think it's okay to have, let's go down, you know, watch the game, have some wings, drink some beers? you think that's okay? What's different? What's different than the lost at that point? Perhaps it's the movies. Maybe it's the movies that they see, that you also see. There's some that are okay to watch, and there's many that is not. Do you, do you use Hollywood's standards of how they rate the movies, of how you watch a movie? Could we have any lower standards than that? I don't think we could. So do you have conversations about movies that you really shouldn't be 
16. Again, what makes us different? Are you part of the shop talk or the water cooler conversation that you shouldn't be part of? And, you know, there's times when you may be uh, in a conversation with a group of people that you work with, and it might start off in the right direction, but it goes south. At what point do you leave or make it known that, you know, this is not appropriate for me to hear? Um, but what makes you different? If you're not different, how are you honoring the Lord? How are you different to the lost? How are you submitting to God's will to honor what he wants you to do for the lost. So if you're just like them, if you're just like the lost, what is it that makes them jealous of what you're doing? So the question is, is there an immoral accusation against you or me that can stick? Right? That shouldn't be. As Christians, that shouldn't be. I want to... I, I put this verse in here, it kind of sweetened it a little bit because, you know, that, that's heavy for us to think about those things that we may need to change in our lives, right? Philippians 4.8, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Feeding the Spirit. Those other things, a lot of them can be fleshly. It's okay. I love watching a game, as many of you know. And that's fine. But the, the part of being like the world in many cases, especially where I grew up, it's, it's uh, you know, they're going to be hung over the next day. They might be watching a game, but they're going to be over, hung over the next day. That shouldn't be us. All right, let's move on to our next point. And that is um, submission to civil authority or to the government, verses 13 through 17. Now, this, is a, this can be a tough one for Christians, can it? Because um, we could find fault with uh, all our leaders. Uh, in fact, I mean, it's not difficult to find faults with many who hold office. And if you don't see them or hear them, you're, you're really not listening, okay? Because there's very, very few spirit-filled Christians holding office anywhere, okay? Um, and we'll get into how we should be, uh, how do we exercise our civil duty. Uh, what's ironic is that uh, many of the leaders, you know, Scripture says that God's put them in authority. They take actions against the very God that gives them the authority to hold office, so, um, again, I'm going to give you some more context of uh, Peter here. Peter, as he's writing this letter, a very young Nero uh, sits on the throne. He's the head of the Roman Empire. And uh, he, uh, again, God's given him the authority, he hates Christians, right? It's said that he went mad when Paul testified in front of him in court. Uh, and so he wasn't that good before, but he, he loses it he over to a, a debased mind um, as he leads the empire, the Roman Empire. Um, so after Paul's testimony in front of him, he, he goes mad. 
And one of the first things he does is he, he kills his wife. He beheads his own wife, brings her head to him. And, and a lot of this is done to um, keep control of the Senate at that point and all the other leaders under him. Uh, then he assassinates his mother. Okay, The first couple of times that he tried to make it look like it was an accident, it didn't work. So finally, he sends in assassins to kill his, his own mother. And this is how he treated Christians. And I'll only give you one example. There's many. But he would take Christians, tie them to posts, paste them with pitch, and use them as lanterns. That is the context of what Peter is writing during the time of uh, his letter here. That's the government that he says to give them proper authority or be in submission to the government. Okay, that's the context of, that's a lot worse than we have right now in our country, isn't it? He's saying, obey the civil authorities. He writes to submit to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. So where do we draw that line? Um, I think the first thing we need to understand as a believer is to respect the office. We may not respect the man or the woman in that office, but we're to respect it. A good um, example of that, if you read Daniel chapter 1, um, Daniel found a way to not violate his Christian conscience um, and yet not disrespect the office. He did not want to participate in the drinking of the wine that was purposed by the king. So he found a way to change that direction. But he, he wouldn't deny Christ. And, and that's really the, the line for us. We can never de deny Jesus Christ. Um, but we are to observe and otherwise be submissive to civil authorities. If you also um, look back at this particular point in time, Peter did not criticize the government or suggest that it be overthrown. Too often, I'll see cars uh, that I'm passing, and um, they, they have a Christian symbol on, whether it's a fish or descending dove, and you know, I think, well, that's cool. And then right next to it is, throw this one in jail, right? And here, here's my issue with that. If you are an unsaved person and you see, uh, you know, a Christian object on someone's car, you're going to believe that, you know, they, they are Christian. But then you also see, you know, impeach or, um, you know, throw in jail or, or whatever. And there's a lot of... Um, Different bumper stickers you can get that some are witty, but, but it's still the harshness of the words that they'll remember. And I think you have to be very careful on the balancing of, of your Christianity and your submission to authority. Um, I, I was thinking, have you ever watched a debate on TV, it doesn't. It can be during the news where you have someone from one side against someone from the other side. And uh, have you ever, while watching a debate, see the one person say, "Hey, you know what? You're right. I changed my position." 
doesn't happen, right? It doesn't happen. In the same way, when we get into those types of discussions uh, about politics with whether they're saved or unsaved, it just doesn't go anywhere. It, it, it's, you know, I, that's why I don't even like listening to the news anymore. It's just a bunch of noise to me. Um, so why would we go about having this argument about this candidate or that candidate? Nothing ever changes. It doesn't change. Be careful. We need to be careful. It's, it's, sometimes it's better to just hold your tongue. Let's move on. When you read verse 15, Peter's writing of our reputation. Our life is to be a witness to the gospel. As uh, Pastor Joe Foch of CC Philly would say, people may never read a Bible, but they'll read you. Right? They, they want to see what this Christian is like. What is he, uh, besides going to church on Sundays, is, is he or she actually living a life uh, according to Scripture, right? They, they, want, they want to see hypocrisy. Uh, so let's make sure that we continue to be a good witness at all times. In verse 16, Peter then warns against using the liberty that we have in Christ as a license to sin. You know, we can never be an effective witness if we feel we have the freedom to sin because we have a forgiving God. You know, God's grace and mercy is not a get-out-of-jail card. It's not, that, oh, you know what, I can do this because I'll, I'll just ask him to forgive me. He'll be fine with that, and I can continue on. Because your heart doesn't really change at that point. You know, you'll continue to do that, and that's, that should not be our nature. The freedom that was given to Adam and Eve was lost when their flesh succumbed to the sin and thinking they deserved more freedom. The freedom that we have in Christ, if you think about it, it's not for ourselves. It's for others. We have it, now you give it away. You don't just stay in this happy place of being a Christian. Now it's time to submit your life and be an example to others. Let's look at uh, verse 17, which is my type of verse. It is short, precise, and impactful. Um, you know, I, as, as I often kid from up here. You know, I'm not, I don't have a lot of words. I, I kind of just have to go right to the point. Um, I just can't make it flowery or, or anything like that. And this is my type of verse. I don't, there's nothing, it just gets right to the point. That's why I love Peter. He first says in verse 17, to honor all people. And all means all. That was easy. See, that was... That's easy for all of us. So what he's saying here is proper respect should be, give to, be given to everyone. Race, ethnicity, all of those human resource terms that you have in your work, all of them is for us as a Christian. We give proper respect to everyone. Rich or poor, homeless, living in a mansion, doesn't matter. God is not a respecter of persons. He is impartial. That term, our God is an impartial God, is throughout Scripture, Old, New Testament, it is everywhere. If he's impartial, we should be impartial. And we're all equal. Uh, and uh, as believers, uh, and we're going to get into this a little more, but as believers, we're not to vote for someone because they're black or white, male, female, none of that. 
It is how they align with scriptures. Simple, okay? So if you consider yourself, I'm a dyed-in-the-wool Democrat, dyed-in-the-wool Republican, whatever it is, think about scripture first before you say you're anything, okay? That's what, that's what we want to be pushing people towards. Uh, next in this verse, we see love the brotherhood. We are a Christian family, and we have special affection for each other. Um, if we did not have that love for one another, what type of witness would that be? Um, I just thought of it now, but uh, Pastor Joe also says that we're the best dysfunctional family going, right? And that's a, that's a true statement. You know, there, there's plenty of things wrong with us. We're so different. We come from different places in the country. And, you know, some of you aren't as lucky to be from New Jersey. And, and the, I understand that. I, you know, I have compassion for you. But the love of Christ unites us. It's greater than all those differences. And that's what should be portrayed uh, by us. So we are to love the brotherhood. And so um, I want to give a bit of a warning. And uh, it's getting quiet. Uh, social media can be very harmful uh, if used in the wrong way amongst the brethren, okay? Um, if we use it for the wrong reasons, we could harm the body uh, and we become poor witnesses to the lost. Now, I'm not on Facebook, okay? Um, Scott's not on Facebook, Dr. Russ isn't on Facebook, and really Pastor Tim's not on Facebook. We have a Facebook page for the church um, so we can get the gospel out, okay? That is the number one reason we're on Facebook. We want to get the gospel out. We also show there what a Christian community should look like, okay? Those, those are the two reasons, but number one is to get the gospel out. So I did a little, um, and by the way, uh, with Facebook, I, I, I struggle enough just keeping up with my texts and emails. Anything after that, well, it's just not going to happen. Um, so I put in social media, did a, a little search. So there is Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Pinterest, Reddit, and more. I don't even know what Reddit is. How about this? Pick up the phone. Pick up the phone, okay? Let's not... What's ironic is we have all these different ways to communicate, and we've gotten less personal. So let's not forget our phone. All right? Everyone's got a phone. You all have phones. Sometimes they go off in here. <laughs> Let's make sure that we use them in the right way. When I, you know, at work, I sit at a desk and look at a monitor all day. When I get home, I want to look at my wife. So all of these different outlets that we have to communicate, it's making us less personal. Write a note, you know, because how many, you guys have all seen this, how many times has a, a text that you've sent or maybe received or an email or any other social media outlet and you take it in a way that it wasn't intended or you send something in a way and they, they, they take it wrong? You know what? If you see somebody face to face, they, they see your eyes, that's not going to happen. I mean, they're going to they're gonna see exactly what you mean. So... Some of you young guys are in there saying, it's just an old guy that, uh, you know, it's not up on IT. I have plenty of, I, I know of IT enough 
to know that it can be used in a, in a harmful way, okay? And to be less personal is, is uh, tough. When, when, you know, on um, Pastor Appreciation Day or birthdays or anything, when you guys write cards, I know Tim does as well, read it. I read every one of them. And it's so, you know, uh, it, it, they're so heartfelt when they're down on pen and, and on paper and, and I read through them. That's a, and then, I, then we keep them. Uh, so it's just, it's just a good thing that when we are a little more personal with each other, 1 Thessalonians 4.19 But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. We should have that, right? And, and I believe we do. That we should love one another, that we don't need to be taught that, we should have it, right? And, and, and I see that in different areas. When someone's, um, someone's sick and we have the meals ministry, and, and it's not that... They do it out of duty. They do it out of love. Or someone is, uh, needs, of a ri- needs a ride or, or whatever it is. And I see people, you know, just, hey, I, I'll take care of that. Uh, it, it's a neat thing that when we, we, we just love each other in practical ways. And, and I see it often. It's great, one of the great blessings of being an assistant pastor. The next part of this verse is to fear God. Um, and the fear here is really a great reverence for God. Uh, if we don't have that fear or reverence of God, we can't perform the other three parts of this verse, the four commandments. The other three we can't do if we don't have a fear for God. So we live to honor him and bring him glory. Um, if, if we don't fear him, there's not much good that we can do because he's not leading us and he's not our direction in life. So... Um, the reverence here is important for us. Then we see we are to honor the king. To fear God and honor the king go together. A couple of scriptures that point this out. First by Solomon, Proverbs 24, 21. My son, fear the Lord and the king. And then Paul in Romans 13, 1 wrote, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Now, there are times when we should use our earthly citizenship for good. Um, as I was mentioned, we should be voting for those who mostly, who are most closely aligned with Scripture. Sometimes, not too often though, sometimes that might be a little tough for you to discern. Here's my litmus test. If, they are, uh, if they're okay with abortion, I can't vote for them. At that point, there will be many other parts of their platform that will go directly against God. So that's, that's me talking. I'm hoping that you guys, when, when we exercise our vote, and we should, that when we do it, we honor God with it. Um, it can get disappointing I have uh, some people that I work with, and we talk about, and, and they profess Christ. And um, they voted for someone because of their color of their skin. They won't admit it so much, but you couldn't vote for that person without knowing what he or she stood for. 
we shouldn't be about that. We should be honoring God with, with our vote as well. So um, use our earthly citizenship for good. Paul was willing to suffer personally in Philippi, um, but he would not sneak out of town like a criminal. So he used his citizenship to protect himself. Uh, he was a Roman citizen uh, from fake charges in Acts 22. And so he insisted on a trial before Caesar. Uh, so it's important that even when Paul used his um, citizenship, he did it orderly and within the laws of the day. There have been and will be leaders who go against the Bible. Uh, and so how do we react to them? Do we remain a good witness and ambassador for the Lord? Uh, be careful. Be careful. The words that you use in conversation when talking about those leaders who want to oppose or suppress Christianity. When Jesus was headed to the cross, he remained silent. You know, we often think we need to stand up and speak for the Lord like he, he needs our help. Often at those times, we're not doing him justice. Governments were really established by God to punish evil and to reward those who do well, as, as we've seen in this section of Scripture. The issue becomes when we start asking for a certain type of leader as a country, uh, and then God will allow it. He'll say, okay, that's, that's what you want. That, that's what you're going to get. And the great example of that is Saul in the Old Testament. Israel wanted a, a, God, uh, a king like every other nation, and they got Saul. It started, started okay, and it, it, it didn't finish well. So use your vote well, okay? Let's move on to the last point, which is submission to our employers, which is uh, the last eight verses, 18 through 25. So the command here is not to just be submissive to our good bosses, to the ones who treat us fairly, but to the harsh ones as well. So if you have a Christian boss that exemplifies the characteristics of the Lord, be thankful, praise the Lord for him or her, uh, but you would be in the uh, minority for, for sure. Um, some company leaders will make it very difficult for you. Um, and I would uh, recommend that if you get in that place where, I don't know, it could be some type of persecution as well, uh, but if you get in that place, make sure you seek uh, a trusted brother out and, and pray about it and take the time to not act in your flesh. Um, I, I've done that myself with Pastor Tim. Uh, I make sure that I seek counsel because you get emotional about things and this isn't fair. I can, I'm, I'm not going to take this. I can fight this. Or you could humbly take it and that is what the Lord here is saying is commendable. And they may not even like you because of your faith in Christ. But Peter's writing here that it is commendable in the Lord's eyes if we endure this hardship and keep our witness for him when we are unjustifiably treated poorly. We need to keep in mind that our relationship with Jesus is more important than our relationship with men, with those who lead us in a company or, or even in, in government. It's more important that we keep our relationship right with the Lord. 
Matthew wrote in chapter 5, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Our flesh will want to fight back when we're falsely accused. And anyone can fight back. It takes a spirit-filled believer to remain meek. And as I've shared with the men, meekness is not weakness. It is strength under control. Again, I want to remind you of what Peter and Paul were going through at this time. Rome's under the very heavy hand of a lunatic. Now, Paul was chained to a pole for nine months in the depths of a brutal prison. Human waste was said to be knee-deep. He was there for nine months in a position where it didn't allow him to lay down to rest. Nine months. And yet... During their suffering, they didn't lose their witness for Christ. There was times where they were even together during their uh, imprisonment. So just think about what it was like for them and how they submitted, surrendered their will, didn't lose their witness. That, that's a tough place for them to be. For us, is it as tough? Obviously not. But can we lose sight of honoring the Lord? Yes, we can. And that's when you have to have someone that you trust, that you can share what's going on, pray with them, open up scripture, get to the point where you hear God's voice and not your emotions. So on the other hand, if you're justifiably being held accountable for your actions, you should remain quiet. Because you deserve it, right? If you're, when you take a job, you're signing on the bottom line that I agree to do, to go by the rules of the company, okay? That's the first thing. So in short of them asking, short of them asking you to deny Jesus, you should do what you're told and do it well. And as believers, we should be the best employees that that company has. We shouldn't be clock watchers. We shouldn't take shortcuts. We should go above and beyond what we're asked. And companies should be saying of us, we need to hire more Christians. Hire more Christians because of their work ethic. You're not a whiner, nor a complainer. And don't do that here either. We abide by the rules of the company we work, we work for. Again, short of going against our Christian conscience. So you may ask, what if I'm sharing my faith and someone complains about it? Um, my answer would be that it's likely that God did not open that door. Well, on the clock, you have to play by the rules. And if the rules do not allow you to share while getting paid by your employer, you have to wait for God to open those doors. Um, so I'm going to share what happened um, this past week. I have a really good example of waiting for God to open up doors. He's sitting in, in here today. But um, this past week, uh, we had a vice president, uh, two vice presidents come to, to meet uh, to our building. And so when I got the agenda... Um, I think it was Friday before the Monday he, he came, said he wanted to spend two hours with me. And I'm going, well, 
I don't even have two hours of knowledge to give him. Two hours. And uh, so uh, that morning, I see him, and we're we're talking, and uh, he said, yeah, you know, know, I'd like to spend a little time with you this morning. And I said, okay. I said, where do you want to meet? And he goes, I don't care. I said, well, suddenly I got ding, 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 ding. And I'm like, okay, let's go to my office. So uh, in my office... Probably everything you need to know about me is in my office. I have scripture, you know, on the walls, uh, which my company doesn't say a word about. Scripture's on my walls, a Bible on my desk, uh, pictures of my family everywhere, and I have a refrigerator and a percolator. That's everything you need to know about me. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we get to talking. It's a very good conversation. Uh, he's a really a, a nice guy. Uh, and he asked about, what do I do outside of coming to work? And another ding, ding, ding. I said, well, you know, I'm, a, I'm an assistant pastor at a church. And he, we started talking about churches, and he said he goes to church. Um, but it, it opened up a door to get in a little in-depth conversation. Uh, I said, as a matter of fact, I'll be sharing this week. And he goes, well, what are you sharing on? And I told him First Peter 2. And, um, and we just had a really good conversation. Now... He may very well be a believer, I don't know. Um, But if he's not, there was a seed planted there, and I'll see him more and more in the future as well. Um, That was God. I did not open that door. God opened that door. And those are the things that while you're working, you can easily, you know, share with when someone starts that conversation. And all I need to hear is church usually is a good thing to just say, oh, yeah, you know, I go to Calvary Chapel, and someone will ask, well, what denomination is it? And then we just go on, and, you know, I say, well, we teach God's Word, and so on. So those doors can be opened, but you got to wait for them. Don't knock them down. All right, um, a few more things. So in the last five verses of chapter 2, we see Jesus' example of suffering, and submission. Christ suffered for us, and he left us an example to follow. Uh, I found this, uh, you know, we, we often quote Spurgeon. Um, there's a lot of good quotes. But um, this is a really good um, example of uh, what Jesus left with um, looking at Peter's, th- through Peter's eyes, okay? The example that, that Jesus, as he's going to the cross, looking through Peter's eyes, this is what Spurgeon said. Which hour do you think of the sufferings of the Lord from Gethsemane to Golgotha would be most deeply engraved upon the memory of Peter? Surely it would be that space of time in which he was mocked and buffeted in the hall of the high priest. When Peter sat, and warmed his hands at the fire when he saw his Lord abused and was afraid to own that he was his disciple and by and by became so terrified that with profane language he declared, I know not the man. So as long as life lingered, the apostle would remember the meek and quiet bearing of his suffering Lord. Peter would have that ingrained, remember he was bold, and then he denied Christ. And then he sees Christ go through this great suffering that we, we can't even imagine. And yet, 
what Peter will take away from it. And the man he changes into is one who's seen Jesus be meek and quiet. That strength that he had is what Peter became. So we get to see how the transformation of Peter from his you know, initial days with Christ to the end of his days with Christ, the man that he became. When Jesus bore our sins on, the, on Calvary's tree, he gave his life everlasting, everlasting to those who follow him. In a similar way, in our sufferings for him, similar, we can accomplish much. Remembering a faithful ambassador for Jesus in the most troubling times is our greatest witness we can own. When things aren't going well, whether it's your health, job, there's a lot of different circumstances, family. When we keep our witness for Christ, that's when it's our greatest witness in words. Jesus remained committed to the Father's will during the most oppressive persecution. And because he did, we're no longer sheep growing, going astray, but we've returned to Christ our shepherd. His example was always one of saving and serving, even during the most difficult times imaginable. Our example, our example, should be one of serving others with a submissive heart, always honoring Jesus' example. Let's pray.